Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Synapse, a podcast brought to you by Nature Careers in partnership with Nature Neuroscience. I'm Jean-Marie Zarate, a senior editor at the journal Nature Neuroscience, and in this series, we speak to brain scientists all over the world about their life, their research, their collaborations, and the impact of their work. In episode three, we chat to a researcher and amateur stand-up comedian who explores what's happening in our neural networks when we're trying to be funny. Hey, I'm Ori Amir. I'm, uh, I guess, a professor at uh, Pomona College. Um, that is a college in the U.S., in California, not far from Los Angeles. My research was all over the place. I, I studied um, everything from uh, the how visual processing happens in the brain uh, to you know, moral processing, moral cognition. And uh, finally, I also studied creativity and specifically how humor is uh, perceived and created in the brain. So how the brain uh, essentially understands humor and how it generates like new jokes. So I was born in a small village in Israel called Tel Aviv. And um, I, I grew up there. Um, I was miserable. Now, <laughs> I, I had some good times also, but mostly miserable. <laughs> but uh, I, I studied in Israel. I did my bachelor there. I thought I wanted to become a clinical psychologist, um, you know, to treat myself mostly. Uh, but then I realized after one year that it's not my thing, but I really enjoyed the science of psychology and I got more and more into neuroscience and artificial intelligence. Th- that was Israel. And then I realized, um, you know, maybe I can switch scenery a little bit. Maybe I go, can go do my, um, you know, advanced degrees in, in the US. So I went uh, and studied at USC in Los Angeles. I did my PhD in, um, you know, um, psych- Neuroscience, essentially. Um, I did a lot of brain imaging. I had my brain uh, my brain scanned way too many t- times uh, during this process. And uh, at that time, I also uh, become... I realized that there is an, a possibility. You can actually do stand-up comedy, like if you want. You, you can just go to uh, uh, to an open mic or, or like a comedy club in, uh, in, in some, some nights and, and just 
try it out to just do it so i decided to try it and uh, after the first moment i got hooked so i uh, wasn't always a foreigner <laughs> I was creepy. <laughs> Grew up in Israel where I was a creepy local. <laughs> and I love being a foreigner. I can say the craziest things and you'll be like, well, I guess it must be normal in his country. <laughs> you say creepy, I say tomato. <laughs> it's culture differences. And if you don't like it, go back to where I came from. <laughs> And I ended up uh, doing that as a as a serious hobby uh, throughout you know my time in the U.S. And at some point, I realized, well, I live in Los Angeles. I know a lot of you know fa- famous comedians, and I have an MRI access to MRI machine where I can scan the brain and see what's going on in the brain when you are you know in the process of of coming up with funny ideas. And at that time, there was no research on what goes on in the brain when you are being comedically creative, when you're actually coming up with a funny idea. There have been some studies, you know, like maybe 20 studies about what's going on in the brain when you are processing comedy, enjoying comedy, but nothing about the creative process. And I figured, okay, we have, I know all these famous or semi-famous comedians and I have an MRI machine not far from Hollywood, I can just you know bring these people to the MRI machine, scan their brains, see what's going on. And so that's um, 99% of my life story. Nothing much else has happened. Yeah, so um, I wanted to see what goes on in the brain of comedians when they are in the process of coming up with a funny idea. Now, the MRI is quite limited because it's very noisy signal um, and there is a lot, you know, and and the brain itself, you know, whenever you whenever you do something as complex, like a lot of it is working and it's not necessarily parts of the brain that are critical for writing comedy exactly it's you know you're looking at a picture you will see visual cortex activated you you know you you thinking about what to say you have language areas pro, uh, you know activated so you want to be able to uh, have multiple events uh, of coming up with a funny idea within a certain window of time so that you you know so so that you can average out this activation and see some kind of reliable signal from the noise um, and you have to, um, yeah. You know, so, so you have to, to to do to give them a task that pretty pretty much forces them to do that. So the New Yorker captioning um, task essentially you have a, a cartoon of uh, a mouse pointing a um, revolver at a cat, and you have to come up with a caption. No, no, the winning caption for this particular uh, image was uh, uh, six rounds, nine lives, do the math, uh, right? So that, that was, uh, but, but yeah, that, that's the task. The task is to come up with um, some something funny that one of those characters would say in the situation, right? So that's that's the task. So you see multiple multiple such images, you have to come up with multiple captions, um, and um, you, you need a control condition that pretty much 
has all of the elements of the experimental condition, but leaves out the part of having to come up with a funny idea, right? So you basically want to show them same kind of cartoons and have them come up with a caption, but in this this time the caption should not be funny. Just just you know what you would normally hear in this situation. So this way, in both the control condition and the experimental condition, you have uh, the part of the brain uh, that does language, the part of the brain that visually processes the image. But what you're not, but 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 what separates the condition? If you contrast them, if you subtract the activation of the control from the experimental condition, then hopefully what you're getting is uh, specifically those areas of the brain that are. Uh, uniquely uh, involved in the generating funny ideas. So we had uh, 13 professional comedians, uh, nine amateurs, and uh, I believe it was 19 controls. Yeah, so uh, the idea is to see the difference uh, between, you know, uh, professional comedians and, and controls, but also to see if there is uh, some kind of, you know, continu continuum there. Uh, so so what, what, what we saw was that uh, the uh, professional comedians um, have more activation in uh, temporal cortices, uh, certain areas of the temporal cortex uh, in the front of it where uh, it is a sort of, sort of like high-level semantic area, the kind of area where associations from different parts of the brain sort of converge. So, so if you have some remote concepts that usually don't go together, but you want to find a way to link them in a meaningful way, you would go to that cortex, that part of the cortex, yeah? And uh, so you see more activation there, the more experience you have doing comedy. Uh, so there's a, a lot of sort of sort of associative sort of brainstorming uh, going on. And you see less activity in the prefrontal cortex, which is the, you know, essentially the area in the front of the brain um, where yeah, it's, it's one of those areas that you know, developed late in evolution. So, yeah, so humans have a particularly large prefrontal cortex. Uh, but uh, what, the, what we think it does in this context and, and why we think that the more experience you have doing comedy, you see less activity there is because it has to do with uh, control over the creative process. So that's the area that would tell, tell you the goal of what you're supposed to be doing. Right, so it oh, oh, I'm supposed to come up with something funny, and you're supposed to do this, supposed to do that. So that's like the conductor of the orchestra, essentially. And I guess you can say that you need less of that the more uh, experience you have doing comedy. Maybe it's even in the way of coming up with with a particularly novel uh, and original idea because you're sort of like sort of hands-on directing the process. If you let it a little bit of freedom, a little less control, you might actually come up with um, more novel, original ideas. Another thing we saw was greater activation in the striatum. Um, a, a part of the striatum that is involved in uh, reward processing before uh, the professional comedians were coming up with the funnier ideas. 
So, so the funnier the, the joke would be, the, the, the more activation you see in this triadon before they come up with it. Um, so that's somewhat, somewhat uh, tricky to interpret because it could mean one of two things. It could mean that um, you, you need to sort of like set up the, the, the um, uh, environment, sort of like the, the, the general feeling in your brain so that you will be more inclined to come up with funny ideas. Or it could mean that they just were really good at predicting, oh, now I'm going to come up with a funny idea. This has a lot of potential. So that's, that prediction is rewarding. So um, I, mean, I, I guess, I guess that, that might be less of a clear cut uh, kind of story than the previous one. So you may or may not want to cut it out. Uh, but but if, if you want to translate it to, to advice uh, that you can give a comedian, it's like try to have more fun. Uh, and you will be funnier, right? So if you're having more fun, you uh, activate your reward regions more, and that might uh, give sort of like a, a... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Mental context, like, like a sort of a sense in the brain uh, where humor is more likely to spontaneously emerge. Um... The other uh, advice, uh, the more sort of more like immediate advice, is pretty much a confirmation of the advice that um, comedy coaches, especially improv comedy coaches, have been given for a long time, which is get out of your head. Uh, and by get out of your head, if you translate it, uh, if you, you know, like if, if you think the, the, the actual meaning of it is let your mind flow naturally you know don't don't try to you know force the direction of where your associations go but in in terms of the, the what it means in terms of the neuroscience is uh, you know don't overactivate your prefrontal cortex let it rest a little bit and, and let the um the associations in the temporal anterior temporal cortex um you know um do their thing I do enjoy jokes that are logic-based and are absurdist and, and have some commentary about how silly is you know, how people behave or, or think, just, just some commentary about that. Uh, so essentially parodying like the, the, the acceptable narratives. Uh, I, I would say that's my favorite, um, my favorite stuff I'm trying to do, and that, that's what I enjoy the most listening to. If you all want to have a PhD like me, uh, here's what you got to do. It's going to take you seven years. Uh, first five and a half years, you're going to work very hard on developing a silly accent. <laughs> Then you do some original research and it all culminates in a dissertation defense in which you present your work in front of five important neuroscientists 
And if you fail, they eat your brains. <laughs> I noticed that when I started doing comedy um, and I wasn't as good, people were telling me, well, you know, you will have a hard time making it uh, with, because of your accent. And then once I um, became good, people were telling me, well, of course you're funny, but it's because of your accent. Yeah, you know, my dream is to become a professional comedian <laughs> and an amateur neurosurgeon. <laughs> This way I can just cut brains for fun. <laughs> you, know, you know, the one place where my comedy fails horribly, like, like without any, you know, any saving grace is whenever I try to go back to Israel and do comedy there. So when you're talking about the appreciation of humor, um, you can... Uh, there, there are two types, two major types of studies. One that looks into um, humor versus non-humor and see like what areas of the brain are activated. So you actually find uh, similarly that uh, temporal, these areas in the temporal regions appear to, to be activated uh, to, a different, uh, you know, to, to a different extent or with a different timeline. So when, you, when you're getting a joke, um, then you have a quick spike in areas like uh, in the temporal areas. Um, whereas when you are constructing a joke, when you're being creative, then you see a gradual increase in activity there. So, that, so that's like one of the differences you might see. Uh, otherwise, you would see reward regions activated, you know, as you see in um, humor creation. But again, the, the activation has a different timeline. Uh, it happens after getting the joke, as opposed to when you create the jokes, apparently uh, it, it comes before before you fully formulate the, the joke. Um, and the other type of study uh, looks into the differences between different types of humor. So, and there, it's actually not particularly surprising. So if you have visual gags, you would see more activation in visual areas, or if you have language-based humor, you see more activation in language area. If you have humor that relies on understanding other people's mind uh, or viewpoint or whatever, you have activation in regions involving in theory of mind, which is a fancy word for you know, just understanding other people's perspective. And then there are studies that try to sort of um, break down the different parts of humor processing. So and, and that, that comes from different theoretical perspectives. So uh, there's like a researcher from uh, Taiwan, I believe, that recently just published a lot of studies about uh, humor in the brain. And, um, you know, they were looking at the, 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 the different stages of humor processing. So you start from realizing that there is some kind of incongruity in the, in the narrative, right? So, so the, the setup and the punchline result in some kind of incongruity based on your original interpretation of the setup. And then you have to sort of change your perspective. You have to uh, revise your understanding of the setup uh, so as to reach a resolution. <laughs> and, and, and so, so this process, and then you find it funny. So it's like one, one theory that, that I feel does not cover all types of humor, but 
but but it's definitely a, a prominent theory of of what is humor. Uh, so that's the incongruity resolution uh, hypothesis, and 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 they show okay, you see that area of the brain is involved in the uh, detection of a uh, incongruity, and that area is more active during the insight or the resolution part. So so I am I am. Tr- working on some projects that attempt to use artificial intelligence to generate like clever humor so so there've been a lot of work on uh, you know that, that that uses artificial intelligence to make essentially puns or you know well like structured jokes it's like your mama's jokes or, or something like this or I like my man how I like my you know kind of jokes so, so, so these jokes have been possible to make quite successfully um, using uh, artificial intelligence for 20 years or so um, the humans usually have to select the ones that make sense out of the multiple you know, uh, things in the output but um, so, so I'm, I'm working on a couple of projects um, that I can't maybe uh, completely reveal. Uh, they might help people in marketing, for example, um, use artificial intelligence to uh, generate jokes that are appropriate to what they're trying to, to make, right? So basically, okay, I have a commercial about you know, um, Coca-Cola and a polar bear, and I need uh, some, connect- some, some link between those two concepts that has a uh, comedic potential. So, so, so um, it's supposed to help with that. What I did see in terms of what's already uh, out there um, is a pretty scarily uh, good algorithm that explains jokes. So it's based on um, you know some some general language model uh, of Google that is not completely, uh, as far as I understand it, available to the general population yet. But but it, it, it's basically it, it, you give it a joke. And it, um, you know, in a German fashion, just explains, uh, well, the reason why this, uh, um, you know, um, it is funny is because the dog has died. And I don't know, or because the, the War and Peace is a very big book, but uh, the manual of the company is also very big. And so it's referencing, it explains the jokes, but it does a very good job of, of, uh, of doing, uh, like, as good as it gets. Um, <laughs> and so... So that's scary. Uh, like I want to see um, if if the inverse is possible. Like if you can just write a, a serious, a bunch of serious statements and it translate it into humor, which is like one of the projects we're trying to. But but that's you know that that's probably that's a very difficult problem for sure. Um, but that that would be a, the killer app of of humor, um, of humor creating. AI would be basically like a Google Translate, but instead of translating from a, a one language to another, you put, give it a serious statement and it makes a joke that essentially says the same thing. So I think humor is probably one of the hardest uh, problems for AI. I believe it's what we call AI complete, meaning you have to pretty much be able to do 
everything that humans can do in order to do humor, right? So, so in order to do humor, you would have to be able to master all other human cognitive functions. Uh, whether it will happen and when it will happen, I used to be um, more certain about it. I used to be in the camp that was like, okay, AI is definitely uh, it's definitely coming. It's definitely coming soon. It's like, you know, less than 10 years away and you know, it's going to replace us and going and gonna to exponentially, you know, improve itself uh, after that point, assuming nothing will go wrong and, and explode or whatever, which is you know, very uh, possible you know, if, 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 we, uh, if you do achieve uh, any kind of level of artificial intelligence that, is, that, that has uh, you know, self-control. And now, um, you know, I, I give room for the possibility that it might not be possible, uh, more so than I, I did in the past. Um, so, but put it this way, I think if artificial intelligence, human level artificial intelligence, that sort of self-improving is possible, we'll find this out in the next 10 years. I'm afraid that if I make any jokes about artificial intelligence, um, you know, I, I will get in trouble in in the future. I will, uh, the artificial intelligence would cancel me, so I'm I'm refraining from making any such jokes. Now that's it for this episode of Tales from the Synapse. I'm Jean-Marie Zarate, a senior editor at Nature Neuroscience. The producer was Dom Byrne. Thanks again to Ori Amir, and thank you for listening. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.